Welcome to another episode of Parenting on Purpose. I'm your host, Tori Roberts, and today we have an amazing special guest. Her name is Juliana Guevara, and she is another one of our licensed mental health um, counselors here at Sheridan House, and she is awesome. I've had the privilege of working with her in the girls program, and um, she's just amazing. She's a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of experience, and we're just so excited to have her today. Thanks so so much for letting me join. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about, um, right now you are in the counseling center. Mm -hmm. And so talk to us a little bit about maybe the clientele that you're working with most right now. Sure. Um, So I work a lot with children, meaning elementary, middle school, high school girls. Um, So girls, I say from five to 105 and boys (laughs) from around five um, until middle school. Um, so that's, those are what I focus in on. Um, and I just, oh, I love what I do. It's, I'm so blessed to be able to work with them and having that experience in the girls program alongside of you too, was such an amazing launching pad into working in the counseling center. And so I'm just blessed to get to do what I love. That's awesome. Now, how many years have you been in the counseling center? I forget it's you know, we've been on such interesting journeys. I know. <laughs> um, so I've been at Sheridan House. I just celebrated my 14th year at Sheridan Oh my House. goodness. That's Crazy. amazing. That's yeah. awesome. It's been, it's, been, it's been a journey. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, one of the things I'd love to pick your brain on, um, I have two boys of my own and, you know, uh, working with, with parenting on purpose. Um what, where, what are some, maybe some of the warning signs when, you know, you're a mom at home and you're parenting your child, your children. And, Mm -hmm. um, just a sidebar, I'm, I'm a big proponent of counseling. I think everybody Mm -hmm. can benefit from counseling. Um, it's just such a, like, I always say, you know, we go get checkups at our doctor's office. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we getting mental health checkups? Yes. But, um, what are some signs that maybe, um, you can encourage parents? Okay. So if Mm -hmm. you're seeing this in your, your elementary age child, it's maybe time to take them in for, um, maybe some counseling. Absolutely. And I love that you're asking this question because that is so many times I get asked that question of like, okay, but I don't want to like go too fast or, um, I don't want them to feel uncomfortable or like there's something wrong with them. And, you know, the example you gave of going to get your health checked and making sure that our blood work is where it's supposed to be. It's just a check-in. So it doesn't have to be a scary process. Um, but I would say if there are any uh, like big traumas that occur, then absolutely go to, go to seek out counseling, which would be like a death in the immediate family, a divorce, abuse of any kind, those would be automatic, whether you see any symptoms or not, go talk with a counselor, give them an opportunity to speak to somebody outside of the family um, that they can build rapport with and get to talk to without any judgment or shame or consequences. And so those, those would be the times that I say, okay, yes, go and do that no matter what. But then there are times where we're not really sure, like, okay, is my child really at a level where um, I should be taking them in? Am I overreacting? And so I would say if it's an issue that has been going on for more than two weeks consistently, like a change in their functioning that has been over two weeks consistently, uh, whether that is a mood disturbance that you see, they're having these really bad tantrums, or maybe they're very isolated, or maybe they're very tearful or irritable. And this has been pretty consistent now for two weeks. That's when you want to say, hmm, okay, let me look for these other areas too, and see if there's any other existing factors that are at play. Um, so looking at eating disturbances too, Mm -hmm. Uh, now there are 
certain um, regressions that happen throughout childhood and throughout development <laughs> where they will eat less or they become more picky or what have you. Um, and as a parent, you know, we have our, our gut too, and, you know, no pun intended when it comes to like, how our children are eating. Um, and so, you know, if it's like, if it's just picky eating or they're just not getting their way versus, you know, if they're just refusing food or maybe hiding food, you know, these are some of the things that raise a little more flags to say, okay, this is, this is more things that under the list of possibilities to, to talk to a counselor about, um, sleep disturbance is another really big one. Um, so they're sleeping too much or they're sleeping too little sleep is so, so important for the developmental, um, aspect of our brains and children's minds are just developing so fast at a rapid pace. And during sleep is really when our brain does the best work. So we need to make sure that our kids are having a really healthy routine when it comes to our sleep. And so if you start to see that they're waking up a lot during the night, or they're having trouble falling asleep, uh, maybe even anxiety is playing a role in that. That would be again, another one of those flags would be like, okay, all right. Let's add this one to the list too. Um, another thing is like, well, losing- just real quick on sweet. Yeah. So I just want to sleep. I said sweet on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, what age range? Cause I mean, my toddlers were horrible sleepers. So like at what age should I really be kind of you know, like early elementary school? Um, do I need to be really watching their sleep? So even with the toddlers, um, because again, brains are developing so fast, you know, they have sleep coaches and stuff. And that'd be um, something I would talk to about with the pediatrician as well, because perhaps Mm -hmm. there's something that's going on. Maybe they're getting, you know, their fruit too late in the day and that's making them up, you know, making them more hyperactive, or maybe there's an allergy that's not diagnosed. So even from infancy, babies need to need to have some sleep. We need to have good routines, good schedules. I do know that every child is different. And so some are just really easy at going to sleep. You don't have to do anything. And well, those are just like the little angel babies. And then you have the ones that you have to like wrestle to sleep. You're like, please, both of us go to sleep. Um, but definitely be in contact with your pediatrician about that. If you see that, you know, if you're overly tired, you're like, okay, my child must be overly tired because they require a whole lot more hours than I do of sleep. Um, and so that is just ongoing different stages, making sure that that sleep is a priority. Is it, would it be the same for something like bedwetting? So bedwetting, um, so there used to be this, I don't know what you would want to call it, but like a knee jerk reaction, I guess you can mm-hmm. say with children bedwetting is like, oh my gosh, there's some major trauma that has gone on. Um, that could be a possibility, but that's not always the possibility. Um, a lot of times it's just a hormonal thing. It's actually genetic too. It's Mm -hmm. something that is passed on. It's hereditary rather. Um, and so that can be passed on. And so just because a child is wetting their their bed doesn't necessarily mean that there is a trauma going on. Again, that would raise a flag. If you see that combined with other, um, symptoms, you know, maybe like these other things that we're discussing about the sleep disturbance and, um, isolating themselves or having these irritable moods and they're wetting the bed. Okay. Well then these are more flags that are being raised, but if the child's functioning normally, they're just having an issue with the nighttime, um, bedwetting, it's most likely hormonal. Um, and so a lot of pediatricians will tell you, just wait it out. If it still is an issue consistently at eight years old. Okay. That's where they know they have different medications and stuff, but, um, there's also things like, um, 
on Amazon, they sell like these little alarms that can go on the underwear and that can be really helpful for just waking them up and saying, okay, I sense a little bit of um, moisture. And so you need to go to the bathroom. So there's ways of like behavior modifying that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that wouldn't necessarily be like a knee jerk reaction of like, oh my goodness, there's a trauma, but there could be something physiologically going on too. If it's a child who has been doing well at night and now they're not. Um, So again, pediatrician is a really great resource too, for navigating through that. That's awesome. What about, um, especially, I feel like, especially today, um, what about anxiety about school? Mm -hmm. Like where, where's the line with, okay, I need to take my kid in, or maybe this is just something I need to talk to him or them more about what do I need to look for there? Yep. Um, so, you know, with those that more than two week, you know, that we had spoke about before, like if this persists for more than two weeks, at the beginning of school, you can expect, especially if they're like, you know, first going into school into you know, kindergarten, first grade or what have you, and they're having difficulty. Okay. Yes. Expect that they will be like that separation anxiety period. They're going to have difficulty, especially until they establish their friends and get comfortable in the space. And so if, but if you know that your child is naturally anxious, you know, some kids just have more of an anxious disposition where they're their fight flight or freezer is constantly on and like they're just looking around for any kind of threats. And so of course, dropping them off at a foreign school can be really difficult. And during the pandemic, I know that that was so hard, um, especially going back into school and then the parents not being able to walk them into school yes. and have the interaction, have the meet and greets. Um, now, thankfully it's, it's gotten a, a bit better, a bit more, you know, quote unquote normal, mm-hmm. but that would be something that to work with the teacher alongside to be in, in communication, um, letting them know if there's any changes at home too that are going on that are attributing to some of this angst. Um, but if you're seeing that for more than two weeks, this is going on again, this is a great time to say, Let, let's go talk to a counselor, somebody else that can help us with this, because sometimes there's fears um, that they're not wanting to articulate to mom and dad, maybe mom and dad get frustrated by it. And so they just don't want to bring it up again, or, you know, kids, they have a, a million reasons in their minds as to why they don't always open up to mom and dad, even though mom and dad love them so much. And they are their safe people having a, a third party, a counselor to come in um, and just walk alongside them can be really, really helpful, really powerful. That's awesome. What about, um, what about testing? Like, what would that mm-hmm. look like where, um, you know, my, my child's starting to have some maybe behavior issues at school or at home and have like, you know, having them tested at what, at what point is that? Do you, we do that before counseling after counseling? How does that work? So testing can be done. Um, oftentimes it's done before counseling because then it alerts parents of like, Oh wait, there actually is something going on and I need to seek more help. Um, but for the parents who are like really proactive, they're like, okay, let me get you set up with counseling first. Let's explore this. Let's see if, you know, I'm just overreacting as a parent. And then the counselor would be like, okay, well actually, you know what? I think that that testing would be uh, a really good next step. A lot of times too, the teachers will give input and say, you know, little Susie is having an issue with focusing, especially in math. And I think it would be good for you, you know, to go and get her tested, look further into this, because when we have undiagnosed, um, you know, educational concerns and like learning disorders and stuff like that, that can start to create behavioral issues. And so we really want to be proactive in understanding what's going on in our child's brain, how they learn. Um, and you know, early intervention is huge. So why don't you, um, me as a parent, uh, I'm coming in, you know, I'm a little bit scared because, you know, we all, we take our kids to the doctor, we take our kids to the dentist. And for, for whatever reason, the thought of taking our child to a counselor, it makes us, I I don't know why, but it makes us 
fearful, you know, is right. something going to come out is, exactly. you know, I, I don't know why, right. <laughs> but why don't you, why don't we maybe demystify that process? Why don't you talk us through? So I'm bringing, you know, little Susie in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what, what does that process look like? Oh my goodness. I love this. Um, <laughs> yes. Because as a parent too, you're like, oh my goodness, are they going to air all my dirty laundry? Yes, like, or is yes. this person going to judge me? Um, but my, ki- my kid's been doing that in his Sunday school class. So like, I can only imagine <laughs> what counseling would be like. <laughs> what we're going to unearth in counseling. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're, you're choosing somebody that you are feeling comfortable with that you're feeling like, okay, I think we can trust this person. You know, we've already weeded out um, these other counselors or we've had word of mouth, you know, some recommendations or a pediatrician has recommended us to this place. And so, you know, hopefully there is something to go off of to start to build that trust and to understand that, okay, this person isn't here to judge us um, or to tell us what a bad parent we are, but really they're here to walk alongside of us in this because they understand that it's not easy on any side, whether it's the parent or the child. And so having somebody that you too can air your dirty laundry with <laughs> um, is really helpful. And so what that process looks like is um, the the parent needs to make the first contact because, um, you know, with ethics and all this stuff, like we're not, you know, doing like call, like cold calls at people's houses, like, <laughs> Hey, are you thinking about counseling? So the parents, they make the first contact, uh, oftentimes it's through a referral or through the pediatrician or through a teacher or school. Um, and so they'll call and say, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, you know, is there somebody there that works with this age group or with these issues? And so a good counseling center will have somebody to, um, align them with that right fit. And that that's, what's a, a really important step is just making sure that the fit is good. And if you go to the first session and it just didn't click, that's okay. You can try somebody else. You're not married to that person. Um, you don't have to stick with them with counseling. You have the ability to stop at any time to cease it, um, or to move to somebody else or what have you that is in your every right. So don't feel like you're being trapped by going to one specific person. That's great advice. That's really good. Yeah. And so that, that, that rapport is really important. So that connection, Mm -hmm. especially with the child as a parent, you might feel like, oh yeah, I'm totally comfortable with this person, but your child might be like, yeah, I couldn't relate at all. It's really (laughs) important to listen to your child if they can relate to them, because that's going to be important on building that trust. Um, so you call them, they set you up with a counselor and then you have an opportunity to ask, okay, um, will the counselor be calling me before the session? So I can, you know, briefly discuss what we're coming in for, or do you know, you know, how, how they, do they bring me in the first session with them? And so me personally, I will bring the parents and the children in together and we'll discuss confidentiality is the biggest thing that we discuss on like what that looks like, what that entails. And then we'll just very briefly, just a minute or two discuss why they're coming in, in front of the child. And that's not to berate the child, to make them feel less than nope. We're just introducing what's going on. Um, over the phone, we've already had that discussion on why they're coming in and they've you know, been able to get it all out over the phone with me prior. Um, and so then in that room, they're just able to speak on strengths that the child has that are going to be really helpful in the counseling process mm-hmm. and uh, reaffirm their love and their commitment to their child and that it's not their child is bad or, um, you know, like they're in trouble for coming to counseling. No, it's like this whole family we're here um, for it so we can all learn something. Um, and then I excuse the parents after that. And I meet with the child one-on-one and the first session is just a lot of information gathering. We have to get um, what used to be termed a biopsychosocial. And so it's going over like anything medically going on, any medications that are being taken, any allergies or past surgeries, 
um, going through traumas, the family dynamic, um, what's gone on within you know, the household, if there's been any changes or divorces or illnesses or births. Um, <laughs> and so just getting a clear picture on what it's like for this child in their everyday life, what's their environment life, what supports do they have, who are their besties, um, who are their favorite teachers and their favorite subjects, you know, so it's just getting this full picture on this little person that's in the room with you. So talk to me a little bit. You mentioned confidentiality. How does, mm-hmm. how does that work? Because, you know, as a parent, I'll be like, Oh, you know, it, where is the, <laughs> what is the line of communication between, you know, you've got my child in there and you're speaking to them. And then what do I get to know versus what is maybe yeah. between you guys and how does that work? Yes. So I have heard other counselors that do it a little differently than I do. Um, but having worked in the residential program, I think gave me a, an appreciation for the confidentiality and for building that rapport with the child and for building that trust. And so for me, I, I'm very open with the parents and I let them know, like they are my identifiable client. And so what they tell me, it sticks with me unless they give me permission to tell you. And of course that is with the exception of safety, right? right. Harming somebody, harming them, having harmed them, them harming themselves or them harming somebody else. Um, but aside from that, I I always joke with them. I say, you know, if, if you don't like mommy's Mac and cheese, I'm not going to go and run and tell mommy, you know, she doesn't like your Mac and cheese. If you give me permission to go and tell mommy, I will do that. Um, but I'm not going to go and tell mommy that without your permission. And that also is a good opportunity to, I always like to talk about, especially with the children of how adults never tell you to keep a secret. Like I'm held to confidentiality. You're not. So you can go and tell mom, dad, or whoever you want, whatever we talk about, but I'm not allowed to do that. And I am never going to tell you, you have to keep this a secret, or this is between you and me. And I say, if that happens, if any adult has ever told you that you run and you tell mom and dad right away, because that's that's not safe. And so it also, you know, I'm able to throw in a little bit of body safety and boundaries, (laughs) (laughs) which you're good at. Um, what, no, as a parent, is that, that's a, that's a great point. Is that, is this something where, you know, do I take my kid out, you know, afterwards and do I, do we dialogue about it? Do I kind Mm -hmm. of, how, how do I respect that space? Or, you know, mm-hmm. do I attempt to, you know, talk to them? How do, what should I, what would be your advice to a mom on that? Yeah. Good question. And I know that this is one of the hardest parts, um, with confidentiality because it's like, yes. okay, I want them to have somebody safe to talk to, but how do I make sure that what's being said or the advice is given that is like, you know, sound. And yes. that too is like for, for me, how I, navigate through that with my clients is at the beginning of each session, I give the parent an opportunity to come one-on-one with me. If they want to catch me up on anything, if they want to dialogue about anything and that is their free space. So for example, you know, I'm a parent, so, uh, you know, yelling is something that happens. I think in every household that we need to check and, you know, work yes. on and stuff. <laughs> and so oftentimes, um, yelling, for example, is a common issue. And so that's something that the child has told me, Oh my goodness, it just, it makes me feel so bad or, you know, I I get down on myself when they yell because I'm a bad kid or, you know, whatever. And so again, without them giving me the express permission to be like, Hey, she feels like a bad kid. When you say this instead, when I bring the parents in, you know, we're discussing on how they parent, how they discipline. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Well, how do you, what do you think that does to them? You know? And so Mm -hmm. then I'm able to, without breaking confidentiality, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. I'm able to talk with them about how that comes across to a child and how they internalize that. And so we're still able to speak to these issues that the child has while still maintaining that trust and that rapport with that child. That's awesome. That's really good. 
And um, so, oh, and, and just oh. to make sure I make sure I, I answered your question too. Okay, <laughs> I'm on a little tangent, sorry. Um, so as a parent, I would just um, give an open invitation, like, hey, if you want to talk about that, like what you and Juliana discussed, or, you know, you and counselor discussed, I would love to hear about it. I'm here, um, but I'm not going to try to like ask you a ton of questions about it or anything like that. Just if you give me a thumbs up, I know it went well. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. really good. So you, um, you do this amazing uh, EDMR therapy. Yeah. Yes. EMDR. Mm-hmm. EMDR. I wrote it. I did my dyslexia and I wrote it down backwards. <laughs> Um, (laughs) that's my learning disorder. (laughs) Uh, So if you have, now, is that something that, and and what that does is that helps the brain kind of unlock trauma. Yes. Yes. Is that something that we do with, with kids or is Mm -hmm. that mainly an adult therapy or how does that work? Nope. That is an amazing all ages therapy. Um, and it's really cool to be able to do it with kids and utilize like play therapy in that. Um, like using a sand tray or drawing or paint or, you know, some kind of other expressive form of therapies. And it is amazing for working through traumas. Um, You know, we are facing a whole entire generation that has gone through a shared trauma. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's the lasting effects of this. And so as you're thinking through like, is my child ready for, you know, for counseling and all that, just remember that there was a lockdown and, and that life like came to a screeching halt and all of their friends where they weren't able to see. And there was scary stuff on TV and people were talking about dying and there was funerals. So in the, in a child's mind, it was hard as adults for us to really comprehend everything. (laughs) And so in a child's (laughs) mind, how much more difficult um, that would be. And so with EMDR, what it does, um, and actually it stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's fancy and Mm -hmm. really it started with eye movement. Um, but it's all about bilateral stimulation of the brain. And so the way that I use that in my office is I have what's called tappers. They're like little cell phone buzzes. Um, you hold one in each hand. It's not shock therapy. (laughs) It's just like a cell phone buzz. It does not hurt. I promise. This is completely legal and ethical. Okay. It Um, works. It works. It works. It's amazing. And actually um, it's something that the government uses a lot for our veterans too, to help them Mm. um, deal with some PTSD and, you know, tears and, and these, these flashbacks and stuff that they have. And so whether it's children or adults, um, it is a really great avenue to stimulate the brain and to be able to basically like unlock and refile these things that our brain has filed incorrectly. So um, an example that I commonly give is like two people get into a car accident and one person walks away. They're like, they're shaken up a little bit, but they get into the next car and they go home. Whereas the other person is like, they, they, they're paralyzed. You know, they, they can't get in another car. They're afraid of honking horns or the brakes or, you know, and it's not because one person is stronger than the other. It's just that their brain filed that same incident differently. Mm-hmm. And so the one person is locked in with this idea of getting in a car is unsafe, which I mean, in South Florida, especially can be very unsafe, <laughs> but besides that, um, there's a certain risk involved. Yes. But the likelihood is, you know, we're going to make it from point A to point B fairly safely. And so with EMDR, we will target that memory along with, um, a negative thought about themselves. And so a negative thought in that instance would be like, I'm not safe. And mm-hmm. so we want to target that. Um, and so our brain is just able to refile using this bilateral simulation and um, we're able to desensitize like the triggers. And so now getting in a car doesn't send us into a huge panic. We might be a little uneasy, 
but we're able to manage. We're able mm -hmm. to use our coping techniques and, and manage and get through that. So it has been a really cool, very powerful tool um, that I've used in my own practice. And it's been really cool for, for yep. kids too. That's awesome. It's, it's just amazing how God made our brains, you know, That's that he, so cool. that he made us, you know, our brains to almost protect us, you know, in that yeah. way. And that, and it's just, it's just mind blowing. Yeah. Um, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> So talk to us um, a little bit, maybe about some, some tips for parents. So maybe you've got a younger child who um, is, you're noticing they are starting to isolate or, you know, they're being a little more moody mm -hmm. and maybe what are some tips that you would give parents to kind of breaking through that, to, to open those doors of communication with your child? So children are amazing at communicating through play. And as adults, I think we completely um, disregard that power that is there. And, you know, as, as adults, we think like, oh, you know, when I turned 10, I stopped using my imagination, you know, like, I don't even know how to use that anymore. But the reality is as adults, we actually use our imagination a whole lot more than kids. We just use it negatively for anxieties, all the what ifs and all the should have could have all the scenarios that we have in our mind, that's creating panic in our body that we're not even aware of. Um, and so we're actually are really good at using our imagination. We just need to remember how to use it in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And so creating these, um, these scenarios in our mind, like uh, as when we were kids and we were astronauts and we were in outer space and we were untouchable and we were super sonic strong, you know, <laughs> all these amazing abilities that we had in our mind that we use our imagination for. And so playing with our children gives us an amazing window into what they're dealing with. You're going to hear all about conflict that they're having with friends at school through play or the way that they view themselves or the way that they resolve conflicts um, or the things that they find scary. And so, you know, whatever it is that your child is into, get into their world. If that's playing Barbies, if that's Legos, if that's coloring, um, if that's playing football, get into their world. There is so much that you will learn when you are present with them. Um, and so I, I think that that's a really huge opportunity for parents. Um, and I understand like life gets busy, but it's invaluable to press the pause mm -hmm. button and to go and to spend that time with the kids. And so if yeah. they start to see, um, these changes, it, that also gives them the rapport with their child to be able to speak into these things, mm -hmm. you know, so that they can ask those questions of, you know, is anything going on? Like, is there, do you have any questions for me? Is there anything confusing having those check-ins with our kids? Um, who did you play with today? Oh yeah. Who were you kind to today? You know, just having yeah. these, these open dialogues with the kids. Um, because when we start to see a change in their behavior or a change in their schoolwork, or they start to get fearful or isolated, and then we want to go and try to speak into their life. Like we don't have that, that rapport and that trust, unfortunately. And so it's so important just to continue to, um, invest in that time with them. That was great. That was very helpful. I actually, um, it reminds me of a story of when I was, um, in the girls program working and I had this, this fluffy pillow. And I remember there was one girl in particular, every time she came in my office, when she needed to talk, she would start braiding the pillow. And that was always my sign that she needed to talk about something, yes. but just, it just made me think of her with my pink fluffy pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that, I mean, this was great. This was so informative. Um, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot as we start mm -hmm. to wrap up. And if you could, if you could think of maybe one piece of advice that you could give, um, today's parent, mm -hmm. what, what would that be with what you're seeing maybe in your practice or mm -hmm. 
um, you know, with all the children that you work with, what would one piece of advice that you would give to today's parent be? That's a good question. Okay. I think, I think all the the places that my brain is going, I think it all (laughs) lands with be present, you know, just be present. There's so many things vying for um, our attention and our focus. And I get it. Like I said, I'm a parent, I'm a human. Um, I, I totally get it. And I have to check in with myself and be like, hold on, wait, when was the last time I actually like looked her in the eyes, you know, yes. I'm so busy yeah. doing this like that. And so we have, you know, dates and stuff that we go on, um, every week and that we look forward to, but just be present. If while, while the pasta is boiling, go and play Legos for 10 minutes, you know, the dishes can wait. The laundry can wait. Yes, it piles up sometimes, but these years they go by so, so fast. Yes. And so just be present. Look your kids in the eye. For me, um, I have this thing that I've, I've had since my daughter was like a little toddler was I feel like, okay, with everything going on, all my business, if I can hear one belly laugh a day, I will know that I've connected with her. And so that is my way of checking in of like, did I connect with her today? Okay. Yes. I heard that belly laugh. We had that moment. That's amazing. I love it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We will definitely have to have you back. And Mm -hmm. um, for those of you that know, Miss Juliana has an amazing um, personal story that we'll have to have her come back and share (laughs) um, just all the awesome things that God has done in her life. So um, we are excited and looking forward to that. Um, But we thank you uh, for joining us today on this episode of Parenting on Purpose. And we will hope that you will tune in and subscribe to our episodes and we will see you later. Thanks so much. Bye.